Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? I pray you had a good 4th of July. Um, We did fine here. We're continuing to pack for our move to our new property. Um, I pray you all had a glorious, glorious 4th. We actually, um, here in our community, watched a little video on the history of our country, the founding of our country, the revolution from England, all of that. And you know, as some of the sisters were very, um, could hardly watch it because it involves bloodshed and and killing. And it I made me think back to all of history, dear ones. Um, that's how God's people survived by even our, by our Lord's instruction going into Canaan um, and doing away with all the the ites, the Hivites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites, all of that, um, because all were sinful people. Well, so are we, and it it really um, it, it's such a shame. We're talking about the Declaration of Independence that we hold these truths to be self evident that all men were created equal. Um, and here we've never stopped fighting to be equal. When we are in the image of God equal, if only we knew who we were, if all the people, women in the country that are fighting for equality, uh, all kinds of issues, races, everything fighting for equality, they don't know who they are. We're all created equal. We're all made in the image of God. We don't have equal uh, gifts or equal place but we're equal in the image of god before god uh we're all made in his image light of god we have lost sight of who we are and it's it's truly a tragedy um we we're proud of how this country started i i even mentioned to a family yesterday while you can teach your children about the magnificent country we have because it's no not magnificent anymore and it probably won't last very much longer it's it's just a shame and a crime but um uh, god created us we were created by love for love to love and we've done everything the opposite way so um we do have a great heritage and i i I doubt the children in our schools today have more than maybe a tiny idea of how this country came about uh, or even celebrated July 4th. Um, Beloved, we need to pray for salvation of every soul and for God's will to be done. We've been reading in the Catechism Explained about God's providence and that nothing happens apart from his permissive will. Again, it's not always um, what God uh, does, but it's what he allows. 
And if God allows anything to touch us, no matter what it is, he works it together for good, not for everyone, but to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. We began on point three of Divine's Providence, going through the Ten Commandments yesterday, and I, it looks like we didn't read very far into it. Um, uh, I probably uh, got off on a number of tangents, but it says, for this reason, a pious Christian should resign himself entirely to the will of God. And you know, dear ones, people are afraid. Well, I don't know what God will do, or I don't know if I'll have this, I don't know that. Well, no, you don't. You're a finite, you're a created thing. Um, you don't know. Uh, well, then I'm afraid. Well, it's because you don't know God, and you don't love him. You don't know his love. Uh, you don't trust him. How terrible it would be if a little two-year-old uh, could not trust their parents. They depend for their survival on their parents. Um, and if they learn very early that they cannot trust uh, the mother who gave birth to them, uh, the father, or anyone in the family, and uh, from the get-go, it's, it's just a shame. We don't have to learn how to survive with God, beloved. We just need to know the Father we have, that he sent his son to die for us. We deserve death. He didn't put us to death. He put his son to death in our from the dead. Our Lord rose from the dead to give life to all who will come to him. We lack nothing, beloved. If we know who he is, if we love him especially more than our own breath. And if we don't, um, we are poor. And you say, well, I don't know how to love God like that. That is a prayer he will answer. Ask our Lord more. Ask him more. And the best one to help you love him more is his mother. The mother he created through whom he came and gave to us as our loves him perfect heart. And if there's anyone who can teach us to love her son and who longs for us to love her son, it's our blessed mother. So go to her. She's a wonderful teacher and she will teach you. Christ teaches us to pray. Well, now Father Sparago writes, Christ teaches us to pray, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. St. Peter exhorts us to cast all our care upon God because he cares for us. And King David this yesterday, though an army should stand in battle against me, my heart will not fear. Why did David say that? Because in God's words, he was a man after God's heart. We must not allow ourselves, Father Spirago is the commentator on this, explain, which is the Council of Trent. We must not allow ourselves to be troubled about the arrangement of God's providence, which we cannot alter. We must resign ourselves to God in sickness, loss of money, death of those dear to us, persecution, war, etc., and above all, we must resign ourselves to the will of God in the hour of our death. 
And some will say, well, mother, come on, you're, you, you just closed on a property, 86 acres. You're happy. You trust God. Everything's fine with you, but we're out of a job and we don't have money and we don't even know if we'll be able to keep our home. Dear ones, I don't trust God because we've closed on that property and we're going to have a, a wonderful home. Uh, it could be taken from us tomorrow. Uh, if we didn't raise the money for the home, or I don't think we raised anything, it was all of you who gave, uh, and, and, and people beyond the radio program who wanted us to have a home, um, it, it's just magnificent. Uh, but it's through God. I couldn't raise a penny, and no one would give a penny if it wasn't by God's grace. Um, uh, there was an atheist one. Some, some of you may be familiar with the song. It's, I learned it in my Protestant years. It's still one of my favorite songs. It is well with my soul. Um, and the, the, the um, gentleman who wrote it uh, had a friend. He was a Christian, the gentleman who wrote it. His friend was an atheist. And the Christian had a family, a wife and children in life. And he sent his wife and children on a ship across the Atlantic, and he didn't go with them. Uh, I don't know if he stayed back for business. I don't remember the entire story. What I do remember is that the ship sank and everyone perished. So his wife and family, and when he got to the other side, he said, he wrote the song, It is well, it is well with my soul. I should look up the words for you. I will on the break, dear ones. Favorite songs. Um, I used to know it by heart. I don't recall it offhand, all the words. But um, his friend looked at him when his whole family, his children and wife, perished and say, now can you say you believe in God? Now you're going to tell me he's a good God? And his friend said, yes, I, I loved him before. My whole family was killed because circumstances do not determine my love of God. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It doesn't mean that he didn't love his family. It doesn't mean that he didn't suffer terribly. But God doesn't change. It is well, it is well with my soul. Um, St. <clears throat> Alphonsus says, He who dies resigned to the will of God leaves in the minds of others the knowledge that he has saved his soul. That is, those words are anathema to the evangelical mind, that he has saved his soul. They'll say, see, that's why I'm not Catholic. We don't save our souls. God saves us. Well, um, he, he, we, we don't get saved by our works, not save use evangelism explosion and we would knock on doors ask them two questions and by their answers to the we would determine if they were saved I'll, if you're protestant you probably know what i'm what i mean but we'll talk about it when i get back from the break when we get back from the break and after the second break beloved we'll take your calls and your and your emails with anything whatsoever on your heart, the toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at 
thestationofthecross.com. Can we be happy without God? Atheists say yes, we Christians say yes, but only to a certain extent. What's our reason? There are some natural human desires that can be satisfied without living for God. The desire for sensory pleasure, success, and loving relationships. There are certain desires, however, that can't be satisfied without God. For example, we don't just desire some love, we desire infinite love, love without limit. This is manifest when we get frustrated with imperfect manifestations of it. The same is true for knowledge, justice, and beauty. Since God alone is infinite in these perfections, only He can satisfy our desires for them. Therefore, to borrow from St. Augustine, without God, our hearts would be forever restless. And my friends, a restless heart is an unhappy heart. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. As part of our efforts to teach the beauty of our faith, we're broadcasting a special educational lesson every Wednesday called Lessons in Latin. I'm Canon Bourgeois, a priest of the Institute of Christ the King's Sovereign Priest. These mini-teachings break down the history of the various parts of the Holy Mass. You can hear Lessons in Latin on Wednesdays at approximately 5.15 a.m., 3.45 p.m., and 9.40 p.m. Eastern Time. That's Lessons in Latin Wednesdays at 5.15 a.m., 3.45 p.m., and 9.40 p.m. on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give. I learned so much through the station on the cross. I listen to the radio station daily and I absolutely love it. I was attending the chapel and places like that and through your programs I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the station of the cross. Donate today at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back. Beloved, welcome back to Mother Miriam Live. I am Mother Miriam, and I am live. Um, audio, not video today. Uh, just for uh, a little while more, uh, just the audio um, while we are packing and moving into our new facility. Um, we've been talking about the providence of God. And just before the break, I told the, the uh, essence of the story of a gentleman, a Christian gentleman, who wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul, which I said I learned in my Protestant years, um, is still one of my favorite songs. I absolutely love it. And um, it was a friend of his who was an atheist who claimed that the only reason this man was so happy is because he had everything, a wife and children, prosperity, a job, everything. And it turned out that everything had been taken from him, not quite like Job, but his family and wife were all killed in a ship that drowned. And the atheist friend said, now can you tell me God's ways are perfect, huh? And the man said, oh, yes, it is well with my soul. Circumstances do not change that. Of course, he was greatly um, hit, sorrowed uh, because of the loss of his family. But this is the words 
these are the words to that song. When I wish I could sing it to you. I know the tune, but I won't trouble you by doing that. It's so beautiful. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And the next uh, chorus stanza, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. And then the chorus just repeats it, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Now, here is the last stanza that Catholics are going to uh, uh, not be in full union with. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. In my Protestant years, beloved, that was my favorite verse. I couldn't believe that my sin was nailed to the cross and I bore it no more. It's absolutely true. It's nailed to the cross. And the thief on the cross who, went, who, um, who said to our Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, and our Lord responded to him, today you shall be with me in paradise. Every word of that is true. His sin was nailed to the cross and he bore it no more because he died and went straight to heaven. But we know that through original sin, when we're totally cleansed through baptism and our sin is nailed to the cross, we bear it no more. But we do bear what we call concupiscence, and that is the tendency to sin. There's not one of us, Protestant, Catholic, anybody, atheist, that doesn't sin. Beloved, First uh, John says that if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. That's the scriptures. So we all sin. And it's not that our sin wasn't nailed to the cross. It's that we still have the concupiscence to sin. And when we sin, uh, John writes, if we're faithfully confess our sins, God will cleanse us from our sin and cleanse us from all righteousness. So when we're cleansed, we bear it no more, but we continue to sin. We need to continue to confess. And in doing that and in responding to the grace of God, we cooperate with God's grace. We cooperate with salvation. Um, and say, well, don't say we, mother, don't say we save our souls. We don't do that. God does that. Well, I mentioned before the break, I used to be part of uh, a program called Evangelism Explosion. And we would go knocking in my Protestant years. I, I trained people. I was trained. We knocked on doors. And we asked two questions. And the first one was, um, do you know uh, that if you died today, you would go straight to heaven? Do you know that? And the Catholic, if someone said, well, I don't know. I mean, I hope. I mean, I've, I've been a good person. I've tried. Uh, we would say right away, then uh, they're not saved because it doesn't depend on what they have tried to be good or follow the commandments. It depends on God's grace. And then we would say, and the second question, suppose you did die today 
and you stood before God, and he said to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? And again, those people would say, uh, well, I, I've, I've gone to church Sunday. I've kept the command. I've tried to do everything. I've, you know, I've gone to confession. And every sentence begins with I, 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 what I've tried to do. And the Protestant would say, oh, no, no, no. You can't do anything. It's all God. And toward the end of our visit with them, we would take them through the gospel. And we would explain to them, if they asked Jesus into their heart, they would be saved. Sign on the dotted line. This day, this date, this time, I asked the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart, and I'm saved. Well, doesn't that begin with I? How do you know you're saved? Because I asked Jesus Christ into my heart. The Catholic doesn't even do that. The Catholic depends solely on the grace of God, which he does through baptism, um, and then uh, renews that grace um, through, through the confessional. So the Catholic truly believes he can do nothing to gain his salvation. He can't even ask Jesus into his heart. If he's baptized at eight days old or an hour old, what does he do? He doesn't even have faith yet. He's baptized because of his parents' faith. But uh, it's God who does it. It's God who saves us. But the truth is, we cannot earn our salvation. But it's a gift. You can't earn a gift, or it's not a gift. But you need to receive a gift, and you can lose a gift, and you can deny a gift. You can forfeit a gift. And we can forfeit our salvation. And so the Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul, in writing to the Philippians, says in chapter 3, beginning at verse 12, not that I have already attained this, or am ready, or am already perfect, but I press on, I press on, to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brethren, Paul writes, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on. I press on. Why does he press on? Because he's already been baptized. He's already been taken out of the world into Christ. And he says, so I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We need to strive. If we don't, um, then there's no salvation for us because the enemy will make sure that we lose everything that God has done. He will make sure of that, beloved. So um, let me get back now to where we're uh, reading and talking about um, uh, the providence of God. Um, I'll just reread the last couple of sentences. The soul resigned to the will of God is like the needle pointing to the north. The soul that submits itself to all God's arrangements has already begun to live the life of heaven upon earth. If trouble comes, its peace is not disturbed. Every trial is extinguished like a spark that falls into the sea. It loves sufferings because it knows that they come from God's hand. Beloved, it's not pie in the sky. I, I live this. Every time something comes against me or us, our community, um, the bishop whom we love, our family, every time 
does it does it cause suffering? Yes. Would I invite suffering? Oh, never, never, never. Well, why would I love suffering? I don't love to suffer, but I love God's providence. And I know that the only way to heaven is through suffering. The only way we can grow in holiness and sanctification is by taking up our cross and following him. To take up our cross is to suffer. That's what Jesus said. Um, And we know that it comes from God's hand. And I know that he's going to teach me a lesson. He's going to grow me in virtue. He's going to correct me, even if he chastises me. I don't love to suffer, but I love his hand in my life. I love his will. I don't want anything but his will. And if he's allowed a trial, even great, great loss, and I've experienced that, um, uh, I know that um, that God is in control. I just tell you my response to the greatest loss I've ever had in my life. I won't even describe what it was, but the greatest loss I've ever had in my life. Um, and it had to do with the complete abandonment of those I love the most, uh, that they abandoned me. Well, I did tell you what it was, but it was a deep suffering. And um, and I walked and I said, I thought, but I could have a breakdown over this. But I said, Lord, you must want me all to myself. You took away every support I have on earth, every support I have on earth. You took from me, this was some years ago, you must want me all to yourself. And um, I, it was a painful time, but that thought straightened me out. It saved my life, uh, that thought. And it has taught me to love God and to walk with him as poorly as I love him, as poorly as I walk with him. That intense trial taught me to put him before and above all things in his rightful place where he should be. Father Sparago writes, a man resigned to God's will has his cross carried for him. He, I told you the story yesterday of the man who gave his cross back to Jesus and says, it's too much for me. And Jesus took him into a big room four walls with crosses. He said, pick out the one you want. And the man picked out the tiniest cross he could find. And he said to Jesus, could I have this one? And Jesus said, yes, that's the one that you gave back to me. He who renounces his own will in order to carry out the holy will of God soon attains to perfection. Thus, the resigning of our will to God's is the most perfect offering we can make him. The man who is resigned is like a ship in the hands of the pilot. He is sure to arrive safely into port. A farmer whose fields bore better crops than those of others was asked the reason for it. And he answered that he always got the weather that he wanted. When asked to explain himself, he replied, I'm always content with the weather that God sends. And this pleases God. And so he blesses my crops. We reread yesterday's reading, beloved, just because we could read it a thousand times to get it into our heart and mind and soul, to know that God is the most perfect Father we will ever know. Um, there's the music, dearest, for our second break. When we come back from the break, we'll take your calls and your emails 
uh, anonymously or with your name, whatever is on your heart, uh, toll free, one 511 Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for July 5th. Today we celebrate St. Anthony Zachariah. Among the early figures in the Catholic Counter-Reformation movement, Anthony Zachariah was born in Italy in 1502. His widowed mother devoted herself to her son's spiritual education. Anthony received a medical doctorate at 22, and while working among the poor in his small town, he was attracted to religious work. Renouncing his rights to any future inheritance, Anthony worked as a catechist and was ordained a priest at the age of 26. Called to Milan a few years later, Anthony founded the Barnabite Order for Men and a Congregation for Women, both aimed at reforming the decadent society of their day. He preached with great vigor in church and street, conducted popular missions, and was not ashamed of doing public penance. Anthony encouraged such innovations as the collaboration of the laity and the apostolate, frequent communion, 40 hours devotion, and the ringing of church bells at 3 o'clock on Fridays. His holiness moved many to reform their lives. Anthony died in 1539 at age 36. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Our family had been going through crisis. Little by little, we just found ourselves drifting completely away. I was afraid to go back. I mean, I cried the first time I received the sacraments again. Cried because I was back and because I had allowed God to become a part of me again. It's united our family. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, this is our half hour together. And whatever's on your heart, uh, feel free. Our lines are wide open to call in toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. Again, dear ones, with anything whatsoever that's on your mark, that's on your mind, in your heart, and feel free to always call in or write in. Uh, anonymously if that will help. It's not an issue to us. Um, We have an email from Jack, and Jack says, why do you think God allows evil people to present themselves as well-intentioned? For example, why are many corrupt politicians so charismatic, giving them the ability to manipulate and woo people to earn their vote each election? And likewise, Why wouldn't God assist the common folk in their evaluation of these people who allow them to see true colors? Jack, 
The only answer that comes to my mind is that the devil disguises himself as an angel of light. He was Lucifer, means light. He was the greatest angel God ever made. But he fell, and he said, I will be like the most high God. I want to be worshipped, all of that. God cast him out of heaven, and you know a third of the angels followed him. But he knows how to disguise himself as an angel of light because it's exactly what he was. And those who are in his camp, you don't have to um, know that you're under the dominion of Satan in order to be under his dominion. Uh, He's the prince of the power of the air. If you're not following God, if you don't give your life to Christ and in his, through the church he established, you're under Satan. That's it. And you don't have to know it. Satan doesn't want you to know it because if you knew that, uh, you might uh, want to escape that. You might want to give your life to the creator, to Christ. Um, But he is the prince of the power of the air. So God allows evil people to present themselves as well-intentioned because the enemy knows how to deceive. He's a deceiver. The scriptures say he was a liar from the beginning. And our politicians who do that, they're corrupt and charismatic, uh, giving them the ability to manipulate and woo people to earn their vote each election is because the devil is clever and um, uh, his people follow him, even if they don't know it. Um, uh, Why wouldn't God assist the common folk in their evaluation of these people to allow them to see true colors? Whoever wants the will of God will know it. That's also scripture. If we want the will of God, not in words, but truly, we will know that will. We will know that will. Um, And the fact is that these politicians who are in office, who are evil, or at least promote evil, uh, they may be charismatic, but they come out and say that they're for abortion or same-sex so-called marriage or other evils. So even though they're charismatic, Uh, if we listen to what they say, um, then we know that if we put them in office, we will participate in their evil. If we vote for a man, no matter how charismatic he is, or an individual, no matter how charismatic he or she is, and they support abortion, we are party to every single child that is murdered in this country if we have voted for them. So, Jack... um, God gives us free will, and um, uh, it, it is and, and sufficient grace to turn to Him and to do good. Um, we have an email from someone who writes it anonymously and says, "I'm not Catholic, so I struggle with the idea of Catholics praying to Mary and the saints when they can just as easily pray to God, who has the power to fix all things." Maybe you could help clear uh, some of this confusion for me. Well, dear one, uh, if you know my background, I spent 18 years as an evangelical Protestant trying to save Catholics, so I absolutely understand your question. Um, and, <clears throat> but I would ask you, you pray directly to God, yes. You pray to uh, Jesus, for sure. Maybe you pray to God the Father as well. Maybe you pray to the Holy Spirit. You're praying to God. You're praying to the Trinity. 
um, you have no problem with that. Um, but do you ever ask anyone to pray for you? It, let's say you have uh, a child taking an exam or a husband that wants to get a job or a wife that wants to get a job or, or you need money for an operation or, or you're not feeling well. Wouldn't you ask people in your church, your parish, your friends, your family to pray for you? I, I suppose you would. And they could say, well, why are you asking me? Ask God. He's the one who uh, has the power to fix all things. Don't ask me. But you know as well that God is the one who answers prayer. But he answers prayer through his people. He does all things through his people, which is why the Apostle Paul says that we need to pray for all men, all people, everywhere, all the time. Pray for him. Pray for the saints all the time. And the only problem that I had, I had no problem asking others to pray for me. I had a problem asking dead people to pray for me, such as Mary and the saints or anyone, my own mother. Um, because I didn't understand the communion of saints, that that doesn't simply exist on earth, but we have, as Wesley wrote, a Protestant song, uh, the church is one foundation. Uh, no, the church is apostrophe S, possessive. The church is one foundation, is Jesus Christ our Lord. And on the third stanza, Wesley writes, but we on earth have union with God, the three in one, and mystic, sweet communion with those whose rest is one. Well, those are those in heaven. We have communion. The church is the church, um, um, uh, what is there? Militant on earth. I almost forgot that. The church militant. We are the church militant, alive and marching. We are soldiers of Christ on earth, and we have communion with those, the church suffering in purgatory, already forgiven and on their way to hell but need some cleansing, the church suffering in purgatory, the church militant on earth, and the church triumphant in heaven. We have sweet communion with all of them. But we can't see them. They're not God. They're not omniscient. They're not omniscient or omnipresent. No, they're not. But God has given us the ability to pray for one another in every stage of our life, every stage of our life. Um, the only thing that separates us from those in heaven is from asking them to pray for us is space and time. But they're outside of space and time. And we are limited by space and time. We are finite. Well, they are also finite in heaven and in purgatory. But the issue of space and time is no longer an issue for them, and God carries our prayers from one um, uh, sphere to another. And so if I want to ask someone, as I said earlier in the program, to pray for me, that I want to love God more, I tell you, I don't know anyone greater than his mother to pray for him, to teach me to love him and pray for him. No, but I want to know him more. I want to know him more that I might love him more. Who loves him more than the mother who gave him birth? Who knows him more than she who fed him at her breast, who, who raised him and taught him? It's an incredible thing. He's God. He knows all things. And yet his mother taught him. There's no one who loves him and who knows him. And she's the surest, quickest, 
easiest way to Christ and Christ-likeness that God has given us. And if we, if she were on earth, if we lived during the time of our Lord on earth, and we knew who he was, and we wanted to get closer to him, we'd say, Mary, uh, tell us how to do that. And she would. The fact that she's in heaven now is no barrier for God. Absolutely no barrier for God. God is the one who answers prayer through his people the same way on earth he might help uh, you get a job through the prayers of the family of God. Does God, does, can, am I powerful enough to uh, make sure you get a job? No, but I ask God to help you, and he does. But he doesn't do it, apart, he can do it apart from his people, but normally he does not. So dear one, whoever wrote this, um, if you'd like to get a lot more information and a lot more scriptural, which I could take you through, um, uh, uh, background for this, look at catholic.com and type in the communion of saints or praying to the saints or praying to Mary and, and you'll get wonderful, um, information and, um, uh, and, and scriptural information from that. Um, Bernadette from Indiana is on the line. Hi, Bernadette. Good morning, mother. Hi, how are you doing? Doing pretty good, thank you. Good. Go ahead with your question, dear one. Okay, so some of us in Legion of Mary are discussing um, may Catholics attend Protestant worship services. And uh, I go back a long time, and the Catholic Church has always said no. But a lot of people now, even priests, are saying, oh, yeah, do it. It's good for ecumenism. And I'm thinking liturgies, um, marriages, no. Uh, a funeral might be a different story because it might not be considered a Protestant liturgy, per se. So I thought, let's give you a call and get your answer. Well, um, may they attend, uh, we may uh, if we discern so under certain, certain certain circumstances, I would say no in all cases. I would say no in all cases because if we attend a Protestant service for any reason whatsoever, we are saying that it's we are supporting it as a true religion, as valid, and uh, and we're supporting what they do. Um, and the church, I would not want to do that. Um, we certainly couldn't take what is called communion in a Protestant uh, church. Um, but if we sit with them, we're saying that we pretty much believe the same thing, and we absolutely don't. Um, there are much we have, there's much we have in common, but the most important things we don't have in common, uh, one above all being, the Catholic Church is the church our Lord established, and Protestant worship is just that, Protestant. That's how it got its name. Now, Protestants today, uh, as I, when I was a Protestant, was not protesting the Catholic Church. They don't understand that. And so when they look to their church fathers, their fathers are Calvin and Luther and Zwingli and so forth. And they don't go back 2,000 years to understand that the church fathers were all Catholic. So... I would say, uh, if I ever went with anybody to a Protestant service, 
it would it would be for a very specific reason. Um, it's possible that if it were a matter of ecumenism, as you mentioned, the only way I might do that is to say to a Protestant, I'll come with you if you come with me uh, at another Sunday. I will come with you. And of course, I would still have to attend the Catholic Church that Sunday. But I will come to your service. We will discuss it after. And you'll come with me to my Catholic Church. And we'll discuss that after. That is proper ecumenism, not just unity or, you know what I'm saying, Bernadette. So that's my response on that. We should not go to Protestant worship services. They call them worship service, but it's not worship when we go into a church that denies the very church Christ established and denies the reality of the Eucharist. So I think we would take a very serious reason, but not for ecumenism, unless perhaps it was the example I gave, which many people would even disagree with. Right. Okay, so that one question did come up, going with uh, one of them, if yes. they would come with... Bernadette, Bernadette, hold on till after the break, can you? Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Are you lured by the half-century-old shift in Christianity that hails, I am supposed to be blessed with all my needs met, including excellent health, upward financial abundance, and sidestepping any adverse circumstance? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, sand or rock. Your prosperity church or your megachurch is offering you vanishing fantasies. Tens of millions are reaching for the lures that tickle a natural human quest for life with no heartaches. That is not Christianity as described by Jesus and the apostles. Secondly, there's 73 books, not just 73 individual verses of a dream life. God's merciful action in our life brings us into seasons that are not pleasant. We all struggle with expectations like take up your cross and follow me. We just can't skirt it. This is a very real part of Christianity. St. Paul said in multiple places, what he suffered as loss he counted as rubbish in order that he might gain Christ. And thirdly, my take on the lives of the saints. Bluntly said, more went wrong than went right, except at the end. And isn't that what counts? Find me online at Smarty Pants Catholic Evangelism. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTagg discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Think about this. Less than four in 10 Americans can name any of the five freedoms guaranteed in the First Amendment. Yet, 41% of Americans under 35 think the First Amendment goes too far. Do you know your five freedoms guaranteed in the First Amendment? Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of the press, freedom to peaceably assemble, freedom to petition the government. Think first. Go to thinkfirstamendment.org to learn more. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our final segment. We have 10 minutes or so. 
and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart whatsoever, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We've been on the phone with Bernadette from Indiana. Are you still there, Bernadette? Yes, I am. Okay, let me just remind before the break uh, for our listeners, we... um, Bernadette called in with the question if Catholics uh, can attend Protestant worship services, weddings, funerals, etc. And and for the most part, we said Catholics should not attend Protestant uh, worship services because, again, um, the the fact that it's Protestant, which had its origins in those who protested, the church Christ founded, is it very difficult to worship in a church that has done away with uh, the Eucharist and the Pope and, and seven books of Scripture and all of that. So we don't want to give support to that. Uh, but we said maybe for ecumenical reasons, um, we don't go. Uh, it, it would have to be a real unique situation, and I mentioned the one situation where I might go if it was uh, to help them to understand the Catholic Church. I might attend one service with them, and they then would attend the Catholic Mass with me. Go ahead, Bernadette. Well, I think you've uh, done some good clarification there. I think I, I would add that you may not give their congregation the idea that you're investigating, you know, to become one of them. Um, I can think of when um, um, my uh, accompanist over at the um, Catholic Chapel at Fort Lewis, um, we were invited because she was a Methodist to go and uh, do the Battle Hymn of the Republic at the Methodist service. And so um, I felt good about that because they all knew, you know, I was solid Catholic, and uh, we we did the Battle Hymn of the Republic for their service. But something else that um, I've just signed up and am on the ninth day now of Ascension Press uh, is giving the Bible in a year and a catechism in a year. And also Michael Voris has a beautiful video series uh, of three uh, discs on where we got the Bible. And it dawned on me because he goes back to 2,000 years before Christ. And I thought, well, golly, time frame, if I went up to any Protestant today and said, unless your people were Buddhist or Hindu or pagan, if they were Christian, if we go back only 400 years, they were Catholic because Catholic and Christian was synonymous up until basically Luther. That's right. Good for you. There were some splinter movements before then, but absolutely you're right. Absolutely you're right. And um, again, Bible-only Christianity is not supported by the Bible. So God bless you, Bernadette. Um, Thanks for your call. I appreciate it. Stay a solid Catholic. God bless. Bye-bye. You, you too. Bye-bye. Um, let me see now. Um, we have so many emails here. Let me just see if I've, I've missed one. Hold on. Um, 
there's one here on um it, it oh i just lost i just lost it i'm so sorry hold on um on the origins of the catholic uh not the it's, i've heard multiple people talk about the catholic charismatic renewal can you please explain to me what this is and how it came about you know there are um so many different uh, writings on how the Catholic charismatic movement came about. Um, uh, let me just see if I can, there's so many sites. Um, okay. Um, the word charismatic, that comes from charismata, and it's um, charisma, uh, the definition denotes any good gift that flows from God's benevolent love unto man, any divine grace of favor ranging from redemption in life, uh, eternal to comfort in communing with brethren in the faith. That's straight from the um, uh, Catholic um, uh, encyclopedia. Um, but the term also has a narrow, I'm still reading the encyclopedia, a narrower meaning, the spiritual graces and qualifications granted to every Christian to perform his task in the church. Everyone, and Paul writes this to the Corinthians, everyone has his proper gift, which word is charisma, uh, from God. One after this manner, another after that. Um, in its narrowest sense, um, uh, charisma is a theological term for denoting extraordinary graces given to individual Christians for the good of others. These, or most of these, are enumerated by St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, um, and it, they're also in, in Romans 12, and I think uh, 1 Peter, um, and they form the subject matter, let me just see, they are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, the grace of healing, the working of miracles, prophecy, the discerning of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and to these are added the, um, the charismata of apostles, prophets, doctors, helps, government. And the, the origin of this in, this, in a true sense, is simply from the Holy Spirit, uh, which we receive when we are baptized, and further when we are confirmed, uh, the full measure of the grace given us at baptism. We, each one of us, have the whole Christ. We don't, he doesn't come in parts. Each one of us have um, all the gifts that are in Scripture. And you say, well, I don't have wisdom. Yes, you do. Otherwise, Christ doesn't live in you. But we have it in different measures. Some have, everyone has faith, or you don't believe in God. But some have been given the gift of great faith, um, we all have uh, the gift of giving to an extent, but there are those to whom God gives the gift of giving, uh, and if he gives the gift of giving, he's going to give them uh, great treasures to give away. So um, we have gifts in different measure. Um, what have become known as the charismatic gifts and the charismatic movement are those more showy gifts, um, you know, uh, the liver is more is is much more a vital part of my body than my voice. 
but someone who's an opera singer who has the ga- or the gift of ballet or some great uh, artistic gift uh, has beyond anything I have. And it's their charisma. It's their special giftedness. Um, those who God works through to heal, uh, who speak in different languages, all of that, many controversial things about that. But the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, um, let me look that up so I quote it exactly right. Um, I think he says, if I speak with the tongues of angels, but I have not love, I'm a clanging gong, uh, uh, a noisy symbol, because love is um, what makes every gift authentic. So the Catholic charismatic movement began in Duquesne University with a group of people, I think in 1967. I will look this up more definitively uh, to answer your question, but I wanted the understanding behind it that every one of us have all the gifts from God and we have the grace to use them in different uh, capacities and in different measure. We'll speak with you tomorrow, beloved. God bless you.